Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is November 10th, and we are just about a month into the NBA season. And what a year it's already been. Chaos on and off the court. We've already got some big-time surprises out west, some out east. Big-time MVP candidate-like performances. It's been a fun, albeit really crazy year already. If you want to just talk about on the court. But, man, I'd love to talk about what you guys thought of this week just because of the 15 games, 15 minutes apart thing that the league did the night before Election Day. Also had 13 games on Wednesday evening. And I've already had some really solid, solid games, some fun times. We're going to talk a little bit about the Cavs. We're going to talk a little bit about the Celtics. And I'll tell you why. Because joining us this week on Keep It at 94, it's my man Ethan Fuller, news desk editor, writer, social media savant, up-and-comer, Boston Globe standout. Reminds me of a younger me. I'm not going to say that. It's going to make me feel old. But E-Man, welcome to Keep It at 94. You're taking Brian's seat today. Brian Fritz out and uh, flying for his coworker who's feeling under the weather. So we're bringing it a little bit younger this this week. Uh, we've lost about about 30, 40, 20 years, 25 years of age, uh, co-host-wise. But glad to have E-Man with us today. Thank you so much, Spencer. Um, that was a great intro. Hope I can provide some energy, spark off the bench type of situation. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Sure thing, man. So uh, first thing I want to ask you, you know, the way that the season started... And you've written some really good stuff at at basketballnews.com. Most recently, if you want to dive in uh, to your Jaden Ivey analysis, which you were just a guest on Pistons podcast with uh, Matt Derry up there in Detroit. Yes, I was. Um, Yeah, Ivey's been awesome. Um, It's been a really, really fun year in general, just watching this rookie class, if you want to start there. Um, Obviously, uh, Paul's been amazing. Uh, Ben Matherin had another, another insane game last night uh tari easton's been fun over in houston i uh, you could really bounce around you got ivy all, all these different players coming in and contributing right away and doing it with this type of production immediately you don't really see a whole lot so it's been really fun to watch the rookie class and yeah just this season in general seeing what different young guys are learning and taking the next step um i would assume who's another guy i wrote about who i've really enjoyed watching just ah, the young talent in this league it's it's so crazy right now, and I'm obviously 
kind of biased with recency bias, but it feels like it's just a special collection of young players out there right now. It does. And I, I love it because they're the ones that are going to be carrying the torch here soon. And, and they're already just kind of making their mark. Like, I'm still sitting here wondering why the hell no one's talking about what Shea Gilgis Alexander's doing. Like, how mm-hmm. is no one seeing this? That he's going out there, and I think it's something stupid to the tune of like 38 and 6 or something like that, uh, the last time I checked at least. Um, and I'm not like a huge numbers guy, but I mean, just watching the way that he's operated this year, I still think the Thunder got screwed on, on Wednesday night against the Bucks a little bit. Uh, that was a fun game to watch, by the way. Javon Carter went for a career-high 36, double overtime game. I uh, felt like I was watching Javon Carter in Morgantown playing for Bob Huggins, the way he was shooting the ball, getting inside the paint, making, you know, creating looks for his teammates. But <laughs> I will say, uh, watching OKC, and I know this is already kind of going off subject, but it's kind of not because it's a young team and we're talking about young players. I, I was just enjoying just how much the the young the youth of the Thunder uh, played into to why they didn't come out on top of that game. Like, they are so in the right positions. They make defensive plays. You know, Lou Dort got a, like a, a, a strip on somebody last night, and then somebody took it right back, like after that. Or, you know, Poku makes a huge uh, dish there down the stretch and then just gets big-bodied by Brooke Lopez down there in the paint. Uh, you know, Josh Giddy, another... Oh my God! Did you see the inbound pass on the cut yeah. uh, to Trey Mann? It was just—it was just terrific. And by the way, I want to watch more Trey Mann. Uh, he looks like he's not only gotten a better build, but it seems like he, because of last year, he's kind of, you know, enjoyed uh, getting that confidence uh, along the way. So like, there's all this stuff. The baby thunder—it's always baby thunder. Always. That's what I put out on my Twitter. I, I always tweet that out. Baby thunder always. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I watched that the end of that Thunder Bucks game on, on on Wednesday, and I was like, this is hysterical because they they are making such good timely plays, and then they're just giving it right back. Yeah, it it definitely was still very much a learning process with a lot of the Thunder. But I guess just starting with Shea, it's it's crazy. He's basically unstoppable is obviously a really hard word to use, but he's pretty close to that level, just driving the basketball now. He drives by far more than anyone else in the NBA. He does it really efficiently. He just has this whole like change of pace ability that he can do, even when he's like down further in the paint. It never really feels like he's always full speed all the time. He's just like shifting gears so easily. And yeah, you can kind of lose track of it because he makes it look so easy and effortless. But yeah, he had... 39 last night um another just insane game from him and yeah like you said a lot of the thunder players it's just nice to see them keep taking further steps uh poku again very kind of wild card player but i think we're did starting you to see s- the three that he missed yeah yeah it was, I did. he uh, missed it wide <laughs> left he was it was it was a for a go-ahead moment too and it was after he made a really big stop on defense <laughs> it's just it's just so funny because you can see the youth and yeah. like in that pivotal of a moment for him to just miss that far left after making a huge play on the other end. It's just it's just so funny to see this kind of the the development of of these guys and just the confidence that comes with it. For sure. And and yeah, like when you have a, a Poku still, I think he's what he's what 21 now. He's not even 21 yet, um, which Pencil is kind of thin, which is crazy. Um, yep. 
it just and so like you're you're definitely going to get those moments but I, I feel like in the early part of the year it's definitely his best start to an NBA season ever it feels like he's finally putting a little bit more consistency into the start of the season whereas a lot of times in his prior seasons it's it's been kind of him stumbling around and then figuring things out in spring and so I, th- I think the fact that he's at least like he had 17 and 10 last night two blocks two assists two steals um he's he's starting to put it together a little bit earlier which is exciting and then yeah trey man i mean he is asked to do a lot for a bench player on the thunder just with kind of what he has to create for himself and he does a really really good job especially for a second year guard um Really enjoy him. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I, I like a lot of what he does, even though it won't always show up on the box score. Lou Dort is just super fun to watch, even as the efficiency offensive side of the ball radically goes up and down. I just love watching the energy that he plays with. And yeah, Giddy's going to be a highlight reel every night with his passing. Uh, Jalen Williams has come back now, and he's starting to get some rotation minutes, and mm-hmm. he's, he's starting to make it work a little bit. Um, yeah, the Thunder are fun. And I guess, too, like just to... Give him one more shout out, Javon Carter, with the I don't know if that's the single like most extreme breakout game we've seen from a player we didn't expect this season, but it's it's gotta be at least up there. Um yeah, he was unreal. Good good for him. Um yeah, it's it's crazy. Even even in these games where you look at like, oh, the okay, the Bucks beat the Thunder. It took double overtime, but the the favorite team won. I mean, they didn't have Giannis. It was still like a really fun competitive basketball game and you see it's fun to see players that you don't normally expect go into these big roles and thrive so shoot even marjan bochamp yeah. we're talking young players he comes out and has a very efficient game yesterday hits five threes and is is crashing the glass like that's the type of stuff that i love and by god bless you because you're coming on here talking thunder with me in the first 10 minutes of this podcast i know brian's <laughs> gonna have probably a meltdown hearing the way that this is going already but damn it this is what we're doing this week we're talking about things that nobody else is talking about yeah but um you know just an- another thing that i, I kind of wanted to speak on as well uh just just looking at last night's games and, and i was trying to keep up last night just probably much, as much as i was trying to keep up on monday even though that was a little bit more <laughs> difficult uh, i always wanted to know how you can intently watch that many games that are on at the same time and you have a maximum of what three or four screens if you're lucky i had five because i had little windows on my laptop and then i'm blessed i have two tvs there in my living room it's my little man cave i'm single that's what you got to do sometimes <laughs> when you're by yourself you got to splurge a little bit but i will say Looking at some of these young teams that we're talking about, I wanted to bring up the Magic next because they, if you look at it closely, have been in the most close games this season. And you look at their record and you're like, oh, wow, they have three wins and they're at the bottom of the league. But they've been competitive and they haven't even had their healthy starting lineup. And they've done this. And now I know that Jalen Suggs is back and I love how he's looking right now. But, like, they still don't have Cole Anthony. Markel Fultz is still on the mend. You have all these other big-time injuries, and yet they're coming out and, and just saying, screw it, we're going to play for each other. And this, this head coach, Jamal Mosley, is one of the best motivators, I think, to have for a team this young, and he's just building upon what he started last year. And they just look like they genuinely love to defend, and they love to play for one another. And, you know, I did a feature when they came into Cleveland a couple weeks ago, talked to Franz Wagner in the locker room, 
really, really down-to-earth guy, and they're talking about just how he's making reads beyond his years. He hasn't played a point-forward role specifically, but he's had the ball in his hands a lot, and he's getting other guys involved. And now he's pulling up for shots and getting into the paint, fading away like Dirk. Like It's those types of stories that I think deserve a little bit more of a spotlight. Yeah, I would totally agree. The Magic have been... Super fun. And like you said, no, they're not winning a lot of games, but they're in so many of these close contests. They they played the Celtics really well. Um, that was earlier in the season. I watched a little bit of them against the Kings last week, and that was that was a fantastic game. Um, Paulo went off in that one. I think he had like 30, 33 and 16 maybe. Um, but yeah, they're they're super fun. And Paulo's going to get a lot of the shine right now just because he's number one pick and he's putting together an amazing rookie season. But you mentioned Wagner. He's He's been great. It's Really cool, especially after having read what you wrote, um, just to see how he's saying, hey, this is a big adjustment for me. Because when you watch him on the court, it's certainly like it looks like he's been doing this for With a while. With each game, man, yeah. I'm going to tell you, it's, he is getting he's getting like you talking about Shea being be able to shift gears. He's able to shift gears. He's able to find these little these little crevices and he's learning on the timing of the reads and the timing of when the screen's coming and the timing of the slip and the roll and the pop. And and he's the guy with the ball in his hands making the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he makes it. He looks really smooth. And and for him to say to you like, "Hey, this is a kind of a big learning experience for me." Is it's a it's amazing to see what he's already doing in that situation. And yes, seeing other other young players figured out like Jalen Suggs. Obviously, he's come back from a couple injuries now this year. And in the games he's played, he's been really really great on both sides of the ball so um, good defensively man did you see that's that stop he had on steph last yeah, week yeah he's he's amazing he's really strong like and uh, i think quarterback man that's what happens when you got a football player on the basketball court yeah yeah i i love watching Suggs. i'm so glad he's doing well i was i was really high on him when he was a draft pick um so i'm glad to see him figuring it out. We haven't even talked about Bull Bull yet, who has been probably the <laughs> the individual breakout player of the season oh that, that no one yes. expected. Um, yes. And Nikias Duncan, obviously, he wrote that great article for us, um, and he will he will hype up Bull Bull very deservedly. Um, and then you got even even guys like Chuma Okiki, who has battled, obviously, a lot of injuries early in his career. Now he's healthy, and he's contributing well in kind of a utility man role off the bench for them. Um yeah, it's another situation with the Magic where it's like, yes, they're losing, but they're giving you so many signs of like when these when these guys learn enough and they put things together, there's so much promise just throughout the young courts. It's really fun to see a team like that kind of put things together, even if it's not going to be consistent yet. Certainly. And and with all that said, too, uh, by the way, uh, shout out to Mo Bamba because he's had an inconsistent role as the, the young season has started, uh, but he came out and played a really good game yesterday. Mm. Uh, with that said, bad loss for Dallas. Just just putting it out there. Bad loss for Dallas. They don't have Paolo Bancaro, um, and you have basically your your full-fledged rotation, and you go out there and, and lay an egg <laughs> uh, yeah. against one of the, the, the teams that's still trying to figure it out on the fly. But that was that's the last point I want to make with Orlando is Franz says that Jamal lets them make mistakes. And I think that was an interesting piece of information he shared with us um, because, you know, it's so easy to pull the plug on guys. And it's so easy to pull the plug on experiments without seeing it through and not having the patience to see it work. And uh, I think it's paying dividends for the Magic to let him go out there and, and run the show. I, I, I do have a couple more young teams to get to. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about um, what we did uh, on Monday. And then, uh, you know, we can wrap it and, and talk about Celtics and Cavs. But first one, uh, the Spurs. 
I think they also deserve a lot of love. Uh, you know, you look at what Keldon Johnson's been able to accomplish. Devin Vassell, same thing. Um, Jakob Pertl has long gone as one of the most uh, underrated centers in the NBA. Um, you know, it's it's not just the the shot altering and the shot blocking and the rebounds, but he's become a hell of a passer. Um, he has become a decent scorer too. Um, somebody that if I was a contending team, I would definitely look at. Um, you know, the contract obviously makes it a little bit more tough, and but the, but the Spurs aren't going to be able to pay him. Um, so, you know, he's got an expiring 9.3 mil, um, going out and I'm sure a contender that's big needy would definitely throw their hat into that. Um, but again, uh, the Spurs, I, I want to mention a quote that Greg Popovich said a couple weeks ago is that, you know, they're just, they're to a lesser defect. I'm going to paraphrase, but he said they're young and dumb and don't know any better. And it seems like them doing the fundamentally right thing is pleasing the basketball gods. <laughs> and, you know, it's he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And I know they lost in overtime against the, the Grizz yesterday. And, and boy, what a, what a what a combo Morant and Bain have been there uh, for that team. And, and them just being able to stave off not having uh, Triple J around here for the first couple of months. But uh, the Spurs team, they're, they're just, again, they don't know any better and they're coming out and they're playing a good brand of basketball. Shoot, even Charles Bassey, someone who got, you know, sent to the street from the, the Sixers after they barely used him. He comes out and gets 10.6 boards and, and a block yesterday and a couple steals. Yeah, ba- Bassey was great. I, yeah, you've said a lot of it. I would echo um, Pirtle, just given the situation that the Spurs are in with them allegedly like rebuilding and everything you're obviously that takes the spotlight away from him a bit but he's he's been really really great and i it's kind of crazy that he is is a lottery pick and it doesn't like he doesn't really carry that pedigree it feels like when people discuss him but he's really coming to his own and i think if whether the spurs hang on for him for however long they can or a team decides to trade for him like he he goes and makes your center rotation better in any capacity just because he's so solid and he doesn't need the ball a whole lot um jeremy sohan um has figured it out he had a rough kind of couple of games getting into the league and now like you you see what he can be on defense just as a versatile piece who can guard so many different positions and now he's starting to kind of figure it out a little bit more on the offensive end just kind of cutting finishing plays being a kind of rim pressure threat even though he's not like the most explosive biggest forward out there um so i've really enjoyed kind of seeing him figure it out what was his stat again that that he was the youngest spur to start since tim duncan is that is that the correct stat or was it it sounds right pick or something yeah he's he's only 19 yeah and he's yeah he was really young for for his freshman age um and yeah vassell too i highlighted him quickly on one of the stats notebooks a couple weeks ago but he is so he's such a fun player to watch just because of his pull-up ability um he is making very very advanced reads off the dribble now which kind of portrays him as more of an engine in the offense than maybe even i kind of expected with him and he's a really really good defender for his experience level it's again very similar to the magic where you can kind of see the pieces fit in theory and you're starting to see some of the flashes come together and um yeah with Bassi too i won't get into it too much. I still don't understand why he's not a sixer and why they let him go because it's very clear in the 16 minutes of action that he had for a new team that he is a 
NBA player slash probably a rotation caliber player. He was at this a projected yeah. first round pick initially when he put his name in the hat, and then he had this injury, and then you know uh, the stuff didn't work out at Western Kentucky, and then you know it just kind of didn't fall in his favor. But I know he was very highly regarded among draft analyst circles mm-hmm. that you know, and and he's still so young too. So like, you know, that's what the Spurs are going to do. They're going to go out and try to get the diamond in the rough guys. Um, Somebody who probably shouldn't have even been a diamond in the rough in that case. But, yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you on that. And I have an affinity for Trey Jones, too, just because I like the way the Jones brothers play basketball. Tyus is on the other end. They went probably head-to-head yesterday. I wasn't, didn't get a chance to see the game, but, um, you know, Tyus versus Trey. You know, they, they just know how to play the game the right way. They don't turn it over, and they make plays. That's just what they do. Last... uh young team that I want to spotlight is the Pacers because, you know, before that, uh, you know, I hate saying collapse, but they did collapse. They gave up an 18 point lead to the Nuggets and the Nuggets came back and won. Um, But they had won four out of five before that. And this is a team that again, people were thinking uh, they're going to be at the bottom of the totem pole, blah, blah, blah. But dang, if they aren't fun to watch because one is the obvious Tyrese Halliburton, but Benedict Matherin off the bench legitimate sixth man of the year candidate right now legitimate sixth man of the year candidate um they've just been really really fun uh you know rick carlisle's got them playing a really really solid pace right now and uh they're getting threes up man they're getting threes up and they're you know doing a decent job of uh you know running that offense they can get better on the uh, defensive end obviously but uh and i'm thinking that that's because of their pace but at the same time, it's just a really entertaining form of basketball to watch. Yeah, I mean, you basically said it. Matherin, again, along with kind of being right in the middle of the rookie of the year race, he is, it's it's way too early, of course, but he is basically a six-man-of-the-year leading candidate right now. He's averaging over 20 a game off the bench. Um, la- I'll have to check where that stands among all bench scores, but last I checked last week, that was leading. It's, it's got to be all, up there. <laughs> yeah, it was It was leading all bench scores, and that usually, I mean, when you think about past six-man-of-the-year candidates, that kind of is your leading criteria, is just how much do you score off the bench? So I, I wonder how often that ha- has happened when a rookie's been six-man-of-the-year. I can't even really recall a time off the top of my head, but yeah, Matherin's unreal. Just the way he's been able to kind of attack the basket, which we saw a little bit at Arizona, but not nearly enough as we probably wanted to see. And now we're seeing it here. And he, again, is a ridiculous perimeter shooter too, which is super fun to have next to Halliburton. Um, they, they've just been kind of an amazing. His camp. athleticism on some of these baseline cuts too, man. Yeah. Like, like see, I saw an up and under the other day. I was like, how the hell did he even get that shot up? He didn't make it, but he got a foul on it. And I was just like, damn. Yeah, and that's such that's such a great way to give confidence to a rookie who kind of had a questionable handle. And that was one of the bigger concerns with Matherin in the draft. It's like, okay, how how much can he kind of actually create on his own? Sure, he's a great shooter, and when he actually gets to the rim, he can finish. But is he going to be able to get there enough? And having the cuts in this type of spacing with these type of playmakers like Halliburton, um, Nemhard to an extent right now, even a guy like Duarte, like having... Matherin be able to see how he can get there in other ways and not put too much pressure on him to create his own shot right now. It's just such a great way to boost confidence with the rookie. So that's been really fun. Halliburton obviously has been amazing. I think everyone was kind of ready for him to 
take on being the number one option with this team and see what he could do as a scorer and playmaker. And he's doing both at a really high level right now. Yeah, my God, is he ever? I one of my uh, I don't know if this was that hot of a take, but I really thought he could be an All Star this year, even though the Pacers didn't project to be very good. I haven't made way too early All Star teams yet, but I feel like he is at least in the conversation, if not probably like around that list right now. He's been amazing, and yeah, just the Pacers have been really Isaiah Jackson too has started to get more and more minutes. They've played him with Miles Turner a little bit. That's been really fun. Um, Turner in his own right. Uh, I know there's always going to be conversation around his future with Indiana, a conversation that he himself has created on the Woj pod sometimes. But he, in his own right, he has been very good now that he's gotten healthy this season. So it's it's been fun to see, that, like with all the other young teams, it's been fun to see the Pacers kind of put these pieces together. Rick Carlisle has done a pretty good job given the situation that he's been asked to coach in. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed them. They, I know they ended up losing last night, but they played the Nuggets really, really well. They did. And I think, uh, you know, we got to give a little bit of love, too. Now, you know, we're still on this young player train. <laughs> Andrew Nemhard stepped up. He's being yep. in the, the starting lineup now. You know, we do, you mentioned Duarte, but Duarte's out for a, a month or a month and a half with an injury. So now you've got Nemhard who's got to step in and step up. And uh, he's looked the part so far. And I, I really liked his game at Gonzaga. So um, I think uh, that's just a really good uh, another piece that they can add to the puzzle and, and see you know, where it takes them. Because again, you know, these young teams, they're just looking for guys and you, the more stabs you can take at it, the better. Yep. It's just, that it's just is what the game is, man. Um, but thank you for talking young teams with me. That's always something that I love to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to fill in all this time when, when everyone's talking about the same stuff. So it, it's just kind of a refresher to me when this can happen, but I, I want to move on to Monday, and I know that we're kind of going backwards in time, but I want to gauge your reaction on how you handled 7 o'clock to 10.30. A game started every 15 minutes. You're able to watch the end of the games, but again, you only have so many screens. You have so much of an attention span. How did you handle that? And what was your favorite game from that slate? Oh, gosh. Well, okay. Well, first of all, I will say I'm happy to talk young teams anytime. They always deserve more love. Um, You're coming back on then. Brian, Brian, <laughs> Brian's going to be put on a part-time basis. <laughs> give me give me all the young team dialogue. I will always do it. Um, but Monday, oh, gosh. I, I honestly, blessing in disguise that we also didn't really have an insane uh, college basketball started, but we didn't have a ton of heavyweight college basketball yes. matchups off out of the gate because – I don't know if I would have made it through Monday just trying to balance all that. But I was watching hey, full full on transparency, my guy. I was watching my zips. And boy, did we deliver with an overtime win against the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, who, by the way, won uh today against a uh, a, a power five opponent. So I will say, uh, look out for the zips this year. But yes, I had the zips on on my main screen, and then the rest I had everything NBA and I was paying attention to everything. But continue. Yeah. Hey, I had I had the Terriers on. They started at seven, so I had them. There on you one. go. See? I had them on one of my three screens. Uh, they also got a win. Good for them. Um, but yeah, Monday was crazy. I definitely think I don't really even know how to describe it. I I could not do this several times in a season. I think maybe three times max. If you made these days, it would kind of be a trip. But I definitely was worn out by the end. And it's tough because. 
I definitely like to watch full games and particularly whether it's like a Celtics night because I'll try and cover them or if it's a specific young player that I'm thinking of writing about, like I, I want to take in a full game. And so a 15 game night doesn't really allow you to do that because you want, you also want to see all the, all the crazy moments that are happening around the league. Or if, if a player is popping off and insert game, like miles Turner having 37, you want to see what's going on there. Steph had 47 in that uh, controversial warriors Kings game. Uh, you want to see what's going on there. There, it, there are so many storylines that that can kind of take you out of the let's just see how this game plays out kind of mindset but it it was fun for sure like it was definitely unique and i enjoyed it i didn't um did not watch crunch time so i don't know how that went i just did the kind of pick three games uh put them on my screens bounce around on the nba app to just kind of my own discretion yeah yeah that's that's kind of how i did it but I mean, it was fun. Every every game was interesting. There, I, I'm just trying to look at the scores now. I mean, Warriors Kings is probably one of the more interesting ones, just because of their last two minute rapport. And I know the Kings fans <laughs> have been kind of frustrated, yeah. right? Rightly so on some of these calls. I gotta sure. say, like like definitely controversial. But uh, Blazers Heat was a great one. Uh, Josh Anthony, Hart hits the game winner in the corner that day. Yep. Um, you got. I mean, Nuggets Nuggets Spurs on that day was great. Even even the final game. I know Utah ended up being kind of a route of the Lakers, but just watching the Jazz put up 140 is fun on its own. And so, oh, yeah. um, and I uh, of course watched Celtics Grizzlies. That was really great too. Um, I wish I would have watched more of that game to tell you the truth. I saw the way it ended. I saw uh, Tatum with another one of those just runaway nasty ass dunks. Mm-hmm. Um, the the cool thing that came out of that. I don't know if you remember, but. He, he said that um, <laughs> John Morant tried to, to to get in his head, and then Jason said, uh, "No, nah, man, I got to put Deuce to bed. It's time to go home." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> no, that was. I mean, as far as just like two young superstars slash border, borderline faces of the league, like just mm-hmm. watching them go at it was awesome. Tate, Tatum has been unreal. To oh, we're going to get season. into that. Don't you yeah. worry. We are um, going to get into that. Yeah, I'm sure. So I won't say too much, but, but then even John Morant, like it wasn't even his most efficient night, but you're just seeing, especially in the third quarter, it felt like this game was getting away from the Grizzlies and he is just able to will his team back if he needs to. And Desmond Bain had a great shooting night. It wasn't his best overall night. And that is not saying too much because he's been really great this year. Um, but they needed John Morant at certain stretches in this game, and he just came in and did it. He he doesn't even have to throw down a crazy dunk or anything. He can get to the rim or like the short mid-range area and just throw up this floater and just mm-hmm. explode, and it's impossible to contest because he just gets up so fast. Um, yeah, so that that was a really enjoyable game. I got I got some Santi Aldama action in there too. He was pretty solid. So let's go, <laughs> Patriot League love, baby. Yeah. We will always show love to the Patriot League. But um, yeah, I, I, that's probably my favorite game of the night, just because it was closest to the area I was interested in, and I probably watched the most of that game out of any game. Um, but there were a lot. I probably, I mean, Cavs, Clippers, of course. Um, yeah, it was a really it was a really fun night that i would repeat maybe two or three times in a season i enjoyed uh houston orlando most because again i'm just so weird Mm -hmm. i'm I'm a straight weirdo when it comes to the nba (laughs) but uh seeing jalen green go out there and probably have his best game i think that i've seen him play um he would just looked really sure of himself and uh was in attack mode 
and went out there and and played some really good basketball, uh, especially on the defensive end too. I think that he was he's really good. KJ Martin off the bench, man. He somebody's got to go and get him, or they got to give him more 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 time, man. I really like KJ Martin. KJ yeah. Martin's a hell of a player, and um, he's he's earning his way, you know, up and up and up on the minutes train. You know, he's getting twenty six a night pretty much right now. Um, but there's there's only going to be so many young players on the Rockets that you can give time to. And and Tari Eason, you really want to see more Tari Eason because he's looking great. Usman Garuba is showing some flashes, especially on the defensive end where he's you know obviously his his money was made on and, and you know. That's what everyone's looking at. Uh, Shangu and I could talk about up and down, but but just that game in particular. Again, before I get too into myself here, um, you know they still have Ty Ty Washington, who's who's got you know time to to develop here and hasn't played much. Um, you know he's, he's obviously been injured. Uh, you know Jabari Smith. I want everyone to pump the brakes on this kid too. I mean, not everyone has the same learning curve. He, he's obviously had his ups and downs this season, but man, does he have the right body and he has the right the, the right skill set to make this work. Uh, so I, I, I want to caution Rockets fans and anybody around the league who's looking at this and seeing, you know, he's having trouble with fouls and he's not being in the right spots. Um, it's just not easy for those those kinds of guys. But again, I, I see, I get off track so easily. <laughs> but that game, though, I, I really enjoyed. It was just an, a nice matchup between two, you know, young up-and-coming teams and, um, I, I, I liked just the, the compete level between both of them. That was that was probably my favorite. But I, I like I said, I was watching Akron on the one TV. I had three windows on my laptop, and then I had the uh, second TV. I had that up. So, again, if you don't have a great attention span, this was not the day for you. If you do have a great attention span, it was still very, very difficult to figure out how to keep up with every single game. Mm -hmm. So I am curious to see whether they bring this type of format back. Again, if if you guys missed it on Monday, it went 7, 7, 15, 7, 30, 7, 45, 8, and repeat all the way up until 10, 30. So that was how that went. Didn't have any games on November 8th because it was election day and we were right back at it on November 9th. So. Back we are talking to you about the latest games. And, um, you know, let's just get right into it because this is the team you're around. This is the team that you like and have known and studied the most over, you know, all of your life, basically. The Celtics go out again, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. For the gazillionth time, both of them score uh, 30 points each and do it in an efficient manner and do not turn the ball over. And uh, are getting teammates involved, and and they just look like there's just so much cohesion there. These yahoos last year, when they were even 500 below 500, talking about splitting the Jays up, look like a bunch of jagoffs now, because this is a team that's coming off of a finals appearance, and it looks like they're just building forward. No matter even with, uh, you know, the coaching distraction, and you had the you know, injuries to start the year. You still have an injury without Robert Williams, the third, and yet they just keep pushing and pushing. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. And, and to be fair, like they did put up 128 yesterday. The Pistons have, I believe still the worst defense in the league. So kind of expected that they would go in there and take care of business, but uh, the Celtics, it's crazy. I, so I'm, I'm working on the stats notebook and it's going to be about the Celtics half court offense. They, 
they are averaging 107.3 points per 100 possessions in the half court. Um, that is almost seven points better than second place. I believe Cleveland is second and maybe tied with Dallas. And the gap between the Celtics and the Cavs and Mavs is the same as the gap between those two teams and the Knicks who are in 20th place. Like they are in another stratosphere with what they're able to do in the half court. And it's, it's been unreal to watch Tatum obviously has been in, if you're going to do a way too early MVP conversation, he's right in there. Um, Mm -hmm. He's just looks so fluid. The fact that he is shooting the ball well to start the season, which he normally doesn't do. Um, He is continually growing as a playmaker. Um, He kind of arrived there last season and he's just building on that now, but he also uh, Joe Missoula is just using all these delay cuts and using Tatum as a, screener and slipper and just using him off the ball in so many ways that it it makes it easy for him because he doesn't have all of the defense focused on him all the time and it just looks like he's getting his buckets in a much easier fashion than he's ever done in his career and he's scoring more than he ever has in his career and so Tatum's been just such an interesting watch and the fact that he's just been amazing on both ends of the court has been really cool to see Um, you've got Brown, his season hasn't been perfect, but he had a great night last night. Um, kind of interesting questions about what he is able to do with the ball in his hands right now, but he still is cutting really well too. They're using a lot of the same actions with him that they do with Tatum. Um, Marcus Smart, again, as much as he rides these crazy shooting hot and cold streaks, he is he has been one of the most efficient pick and roll ball handlers in the league. Um, I don't remember the exact number, but Synergy was putting that out there on the NBA site. And he has done a really good job just kind of being methodical in where he wants to get to, making the right place as a passer. Um, So again, a lot of people are going to talk about the shooting, and rightly so, but when he kind of is able to take a screen, get downhill a little bit, get into the short range area, they've used him out of the post a little bit more now than they have in the last couple of games. Uh, He's been really good there. I hate hate plus minus, by the way, but I just had to point this out. (laughs) I don't know... How one has two points, goes one to six from the field in 23 minutes, has 11 assists, <laughs> and yep. j- only three rebounds, and is a plus 22. Yeah. I, I just have no idea how that happens, but Marcus Smart, I guess that's just how it goes. He's such a, and he's not even playing, <laughs> like, and other people who cover the Celtics have seen this too. He's not even playing his best defense. He's not to say that he's regressing or anything, but again, with just like the way, the Celtics and all their switching that they do syncs up. He hasn't been on the same page a lot of the time or as much as you would expect from a reigning defensive player of the year. And so he still is like, this is not Marcus Smart's best basketball and he is still like a plus 22 in a win. And, and so again, like if, if there's any doubters about his impact on the Celtics at this point, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how I'm going to convince them. Um, He's a huge part of what they do on both sides of the ball. And then Grant Williams blows my mind every single game. He does, he, he like adds a new off the dribble move that you just don't expect from a player of his archetype. Um, he's shooting the ball really, really well. Uh, Sam Hauser is probably maybe the story of the season or the story of the last week or two. Uh, he dropped 24 last night. He has come in and been exactly what everyone hoped that he would be as a off screen shooter, a weak corner shooter, um, hanging in there on defense. Um, d- definitely is probably the biggest target on the team for opposing offenses, but he's battling um, and he's shooting the ball again, uh, not to overstate it. He is shooting the ball extremely well, which the Celtics sorely needed. 
Um, you got Der- Derek White has done a really great job also improving his shooting, especially out of the corner. Brogdon is a game changer. Yes, just with how he can we die. knew that was going to happen. Yeah, hopefully, we, hopefully he feels better. I saw they got the, a little uh, hammy injury. Yeah, um, I yeah, I don't know how long. It didn't sound super bad when I last checked, but yeah, I don't don't know what the timeline is there. Um, Luke Cornett has come in too and been le- learning. I, I haven't been overwhelmed by his play so far, but he's he's putting together better and better moments every game. It's just I know I've rambled a lot with different players right there, but. The bottom line is everything that the Celtics intended to do with their offseason signings and roster moves other other than Gallinari getting hurt has worked. And that is that is pretty unbelievable to say. And the fact that Joe Mazzulla can come in and kind of steer the ship in the right direction, particularly on offense, is is exciting for the team for sure. Certainly. Got any questions for me about the Cavs? Yeah, I guess um what oh gosh i have a few questions because i know there's their second offensive rating um again we we've already talked about this i believe on twitter spaces and yeah anytime we slack each other but those two not on keeping it 94 though not on keeping it 94 but those two games against the celtics are probably my two favorite single full games that i've watched God, in the they entire were season those were some um, fun ones. yeah I, I guess my question is because evan mobley um i know people outsider people were a little bit underwhelmed by his start, but it seems like he has really been playing well recently. Um, I guess, like, what do you think has kind of allowed him to kind of get back and get comfortable again? Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's too broad of a I question. I think it's honestly, it's the reps. I think it's the the want to get into the paint and to lower that shoulder. That, that's what he does, man, to, to separate mm-hmm. that space. And I know he's not the biggest guy, but if he finds like a, a, a small forward that's on him or a typical small forward that's on him or a, a shorter power forward, for example, like he will absolutely take that mismatch. Um, he's a lot better in the restricted area and in the paint than he is outside of it right now. Mm-hmm. Outside of it, he can't hit mid-rangers right now. He's not hitting from outside. And that's kind of been an issue uh, for this team uh, offensively the last couple of games. Uh, you know, they're on a little two-game, you know, skid. Uh, you have the the blown game in, in L.A. against the Clippers where they were up 11 with six minutes. And then you have the Kings game where they came back from a, a large deficit. It was something like 11, 12 points. And then they were up six, and then the Kings ended up punching back and getting that win. Um, but as far as Evan goes, yeah, it, it's what he uses that shoulder and he uses the little jump hook. That's when he's at his best. Um, I think that whenever they put him on the baseline and have him catch guys sleeping or have him in the dunker spot and, you know, what actually really helps Evan, if you really want to know, is when Garland is coming off of a screen and there's more attention on him. So he's shrinking the floor a little bit, which leaves... Mobley for a little path, you know, whether to jump in the air or to get into the paint, whatever it is. And sometimes that's Jared Allen, too. Jared Allen will take advantage of that as well. Um, God, Donovan Mitchell, I, he is he is something. He, he just looks comfortable and smooth and, like, I, I can't describe it. He just walks into 30. Yeah. Like, 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 that's the way it looks right now. Like, and and it's crazy because, you know, there's so many components of this squad that are that are really, really talented and really good that fit together. It's just with, with, with him, it just looks so easy. 
looks so easy for him. Yeah. Some I other think... guys might have to battle for some buckets or, or battle to get by their man. You know, for example, like I think Karis Levert's having a terrific season and he's not shooting well at all off the dribble, but he's he's been really good as a playmaker and getting other guys involved. His role has changed about a thousand times. They have him playing the three faces of Foley, basically. Like it, it's nuts that what, what they're asking him to do, and they understand that. He's also got to defend the best players. Um, but I mean, Don just walks into success right now. And it's really, really fun to watch. And he almost single-handedly saved him yesterday. Yeah, he's yeah. He makes it look so. There's nothing on offense that he's doing right now that looks difficult for him. Like, no, not, he's like he's not literally dribbling thing. up into to pull up threes. He's hitting the catch shoots. He's finding a way to split the double, get inside, and and finish with the and ones. He's finding ways to to come off of the screens faster than his opponents and dunk it. Like he's got everything going, and uh, you know, you talk about MVP conversations. He's also up there. I think mm-hmm. he's also up there right now. Uh, I, I will say though, in this little small sample size, the last three games, uh, one of which started the West Coast road trip uh, in uh, Los Angeles, is that the Cavs are not defending in first halves, and that is what's biting them in the rear end right now. They are not defending in the first half. The the perimeter is wide open. I, I don't think I've ever seen Trey Lyles have a game like he had against the Cavs um, yeah. on, on Wednesday night. And good for Trey Lyles, too, by the way. He was one of those you know blue-chip prospects that went to Kentucky and just kind of got lost in the shuffle here in the NBA, bounced around Jazz, Spurs, what have you. Um, but Mike Brown seems to really like him. But, but Trey Lyles looked like a world beater yesterday. And Keegan Murray had shooting practice. And he's a, a by-God talented rookie. Um, who can fill it up, but they were giving him way too much space and way too much comfortability to shoot that ball. And, and what's crazy about the Kings is they, they didn't have any rim, pre- rim penetration outside of De'Aaron Fox getting to the cup and outside of Sabonis putting his shoulder down and trying to get inside. And he was playmaking too. He had a terrific game. He always has good games against the Cavs, but it's it's the first half where they need to wake up. They need to come out more more assertive and more uh, focused, I'd say. And uh, there's because they've lost two in a row, there's already calls around this area talking about how the starting lineup isn't working. And I'm just like, I don't want to get started there. They're fine. Um, Darius Garland coming off of not only the eye, but he, you know, he twisted his knee up a little bit. Coach said that last night he was feeling under the weather, still gave him 33 minutes. Maybe you got to dig into your rotation more. Uh, JB Bickerstaff has been going really tight lately, uh, about eight, nine deep, barely nine deep. Uh, maybe you extend that to 10 people. You know, Jetty Osmond gives you good minutes. Dean Wade gives you good minutes. I, I think uh, you can try out Lamar Stevens here and there. Um, you know, Rolo comes out and, and is a good matchup problem or matchup, uh, you know, guy if, if there's a the bigger body in the paint. Uh, but I, I feel like... Um, JB has kind of been getting tibsy a little here uh, with his starting lineup. So if you want to hear what the, the the minutes played averages are for these guys. So Donovan Mitchell is playing over 39 a game right now, wow. which is a ton. Karis Levert, 35 and a half. Evan Mobley, 33.6. Darius Garland, 33.2. Jarrett Allen, 32.4. So I think wow. that's really a trend to look out for. 
Um, he's trusting his starting lineup a lot, and analytics and the net rating says that his starting lineup is not working well, and it's I think it's a negative 7 or a negative 17. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but people are thinking because there's three ball handlers on the floor that this isn't advantageous. The problem is with that argument is that they don't have a wing to put into that three spot, unless it's Dean Wade. If they like Dean Wade, they're at the three to start that way. Sure, because Dean Wade has been a really good defender, great as a spot-up shooter, and um, has really done a good job in playing his role. But at the same time, Karras, it's not like either, any of them have been ball dominant. That's that's where I think the argument falls apart. They have not been ball dominant. Mm-hmm. Darius Garland's averaging over eight assists, and both Donovan Mitchell and Karras LaVert are averaging damn near six assists a game. Um, and they've been passing the ball a lot. There hasn't been any hero ball unless it's been down the stretch, which they need to figure out the end-of-game execution. But I think it's just a bad faith argument um, about the the three ball handlers on the floor because Karras has been getting off the ball. Donovan's getting off the ball and hell, even Darius has been getting off the ball and they're creating off the second side. Mm -hmm. So I I think there's no argument there. They just need to shore up the defense. They need to get better on the perimeter um, uh, at, at contesting those shots and making sure that they're getting back to their style of ball. And um, I think that starts, you know, transition defense they got outran like crazy by the kings last night and uh yeah i I know you didn't ask me anything but i just went rambling there and (laughs) i'm not i don't apologize for anything (laughs) no that was uh, that was really insightful helpful for me i guess because i i remember even just watching Cavs and celtics as far as the ball dominant stuff i think one of the coolest things that the Cavs have been able to do is get when mitchell's able to drive which he can do almost anytime he wants and then you get uh garland coming down the opposite corner all the all the way to that like far corner and Mitchell can get to the baseline and like swing this baseline pass to Garland who is just perched in the corner and will shoot this three and because Garland's so fast he can he can beat defenders there and then Mitchell because he's so fast on his drives is going to have that lane open almost all the time and it they hit the Celtics with it like probably two or three times and it led to threes or or at least like open shots so uh, like there are so many options when you have multiple ball handlers but also guys who can shoot off the ball like Garland and liver and Mitchell to an extent too. Um, I guess my only other question is where are you at with Isaac Okoro right now? Cause I know he only played six minutes and change against the Kings. And like you think about the defensive minded wing and theoretically like his name pops up, but it seems like his minutes have been kind of an is- issue, not super consistent. Like is, is I guess what level do you think can he help that defense, especially in the first half? That is a great question on Okoro. I'm still in the, I am still a believer. And here's why. I I feel like he has not been put in positions to succeed as much as he should have. Like now, now here's the thing though. I mean, there's absolutely moments where it's been his fault. Like he's got to finish better. He's got to have more of an attack mindset, kind of how he did against Detroit. Like Detroit was probably his best game of the year. What they he needs to stop they they need to have him stop shooting right away like and I know that it's hard because if he's not shooting that they're just gonna leave him alone and they're gonna double somebody else or they're gonna pack the paint whatever it's gonna be but he's too he's too important as a defender to not have in the rotation but there have been moments this year where JB has had no choice and I mean. This is it. You know how I described it to a uh, someone who asked me on Twitter the other day. Feels very thigh-bally. Mm. Feels very thigh-bally right now with, with 
Isaac. And it, it sucks because he has been playing, you know, working his ass off. And, uh, you know, he was one of the stories coming into, into camp about how good um, he's looked and how hard he's worked. And he has come up in big situations for the Cavs. Um, for example, the game against the Knicks, he guarded Jalen Brunson as good as I've seen anybody guard Jalen Brunson. You know, like he came out in Detroit and looked pretty solid and more confident than he has all season. Um, but he, I feel like he's got to be in his own head right now. He doesn't know where his minutes are coming from. Uh, and that's got to be a tough spot to be as a 21-year-old who, you know, got 30 minutes a night coming into the league twice. Yep. And you know he can play. It's just like, it's hard It's hard to have a long leash because of the position the Cavs are in where they want to compete and they want to, they're, they're not sacrificing development, but they are. I feel like that that's where they're at right now. And, you know, Isaac's got to be better too. Like it's not a, a one person's at fault, one team's at fault issue. It's he's got to be better too. And I think he knows that, but you got to stay out of foul trouble. You got to be able to contribute when your number's called and you got to put your head down and get to that basket. Cause I, I maintain that on this team, there is nobody better in transition. There is nobody better with a head of steam going towards the basket than Isaac Okoro. I truly believe that. I mean, Donovan can dunk the hell out of the ball. Don't get me wrong. But I think that Isaac's the most explosive. Like, I, I, I maybe I'm crazy, but you watch it. He has a nice Euro step, too. He's got a little bit of something in that bag. They just got to pull it out, and they got to have him. I don't know what it's going to take, and, and maybe it'll be too late before we can figure it out. But I don't know. I, I just cannot fold on a 21-year-old who's shown flashes in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've talked uh, everybody's heads off enough here. Uh, do we have any fun games coming up tonight? Let's see. Let's look at the old schedule. Let's see here. Mm, I think we only got like two games tonight or something. Yeah, there shouldn't be. I mean, there shouldn't be many. There were what, it's, a, it's a Thursday. Yeah, it's a Thursday, I believe. Yeah, we're recording on a Thursday. See, I don't even know what day it is. Do you see, do you see how my life is? Yeah, we've got the uh, Wizards and Mavs, and we've got the Hawks and Sixers. Four-game slate. Um, Heat and Hornets and Pelicans and Blazers. Shout out to the Blazers, by the way. They're defending. They're defending. Shaden Sharp is a gem off the bench. Can't wait till he's starting, but he's got to wait his turn because Anthony Simons is shooting the bulls off the ball. Yep. Damian Lillard's, you know, looking healthy and back. I'm pretty sure he got hurt, though. Um, and Jeremy Grant's been a great addition. So uh, that was the last team um, that I'm going to re- reference before I get too far ahead of myself. But E-Man, can't thank you enough for being on here with me today. I'm, uh, hopefully, you know, next time Brian's out and we can do this again, I think uh, we're a pretty good pair, you and I. Thank you very much. That was honestly <laughs> super fun. I love bouncing around. Um Anytime, I'm happy to jump on. Bouncing around the league. That was Ethan Fuller. You can find him on Twitter at ethman 43 Make sure you give him a follow. He is a young, bright, up-and-coming guy in this business. You're going to love what he has to say and read what he has to say, too. Uh, he's one of those film guys. I'm not too much of a film guy, but you can follow me on Twitter at Spin Davies. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. 
Again, this is Keeping It 94, part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment, interact with us. Please tell us what you think of this podcast. We are on Stitcher, Spotify, and all of the like. Again, subscribe, rate, review, and subscribe to our other podcasts, too. We've got The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies, The Rematch with Aton Thomas, The Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins, Clips and Drew, and, of course, the Alex Kennedy Podcast subscribe rate review i'm gonna say it a third time you're gonna get it the third time it's always the charm so at least that's what they say so until next time when brian's not flying in the air and occupied in carolina and when i come back from miami because yes i am going to fort lauderdale for three days after i record this woohoo go zips we'll see you next time mm-hmm.